The Joe Beaver Show is on the air. 22. After all the uncertainties of the past two years, there's been an expectation and a hope for a more normal 22-23. But now the question is... USC and UCLA do. They're both Big Ten schools. Yeah. But where does that leave the rest of us? Who could possibly answer that question in this strange new era of analytics? Mad transfers. How did it get hit? Well, it looks to me like you portaled it. A what? You know, portaled from wherever you were to here. What's it's a, a different kind of portal. It's just changed so radically, and we're all running to catch up. And realignments. They're both big ten schools. Yeah. All we do know is the boys are back, and the Joe Beaver Show plots its own course. Now there are a few more topics that we have to cover, and we will not talk about transfers, and we will not talk about my mother. We will talk about what I want to talk about. Fair enough. <laughs> Who's next? Joe Beaver is on 1240 Joe Radio. A 482-footer. That's nice. Uh, second longest since they started StatCast. Twice as long as uh, yeah, Brady Casper. <laughs> that still that home run still dazzles me almost more than any I've seen in a long time. And what was, did uh, Oregon State Analytics have a number on that one? They did. Well, no, they didn't. They did not have an official number on that. There were guesstimates. Uh huh. Four twenty between four hundred five and four twenty. Okay. The home run Tanner hit the grand slam four sixty eight, according right. to their stuff. I still feel there's I. I'll accept it. I will accept it. Just as a. It's a little bit, to me, it's almost like an attendance figure, though, at times. I don't know quite how they arrived at the 468, but I'll accept it for now. Yeah, yeah. That's well, long. That's not too far off Jared Kelnick country. Uh, 468, yeah, 482, right, it's not right, that. Right. I mean, yeah. we're talking about a, a Herculean, Ruthian-type clout. How long was the uh, the Maguire, was it Maguire, in the kingdom? Uh, up against the wall. I don't know how TJ and I were talking is. about that oh. earlier, and I can't remember what he was I saying. still believe. Now, how, without analytics, without the tools yeah. of the trade, how they measured Mickey Mantle's blast yeah, against how, Chuck Stobbs. That's an eyeing. You know the number? I mean, <clears throat> the, that's one of those numbers as a kid that gets into your head, like, not quite as much as 714, or 367, or 4,191, or 2,130, or 60, and 61. 4,592? 4,191. Now, Pete, what his number ended up being is... Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Okay, well, it's a good guess, but I cannot tell you. Eric Shaw is correct. But the the numbers that eclipse the ones you grow up with are harder, for at least for me, to retain. Me too. Me too. 4,191, 2,130, 714. Beyond that, I don't know nothing. Well, especially when there's a, and I'm using air quotes here, controversy around around some of the numbers. Yes. After we, and not Rose's hits. But 4,256, you know, I think the number just came to me. You know what's 4, interesting about that? 4,256. Here's what's interesting yeah. about that. Three major names and three major, three major names for 
creating those numbers all did something on this date. Oh, I on this know date, that. On this date in history, Pete Rose tripled for his first hit in Major League oh, Baseball. Wow, that's a good one, Johnny. And on this, and he hit it off of a good pitcher, if I remember too. Yeah, that, in nineteen sixty-three. I don't know about that. Okay. In fifty-four, on this date in fifty-four, Hank Aaron played in his very first game for the Milwaukee Braves. That's a good one too. On Sixty years day. ago, nine years earlier than the sixty thing. years ago for yeah. Pete to get his first hit. And then on the third one, it was uh, Bonds. Which Bonds? Barry. Barry okay. uh, did something to best Willie Mays. His godfather. Per, per, maybe past 660? Yeah. Uh, that one Doug had, but I had okay, the first Okay, all two. on the same all day. On this that date. is interesting. And, okay. Yeah, that's amazing because that's yes. three of the most major numbers. Yes. Assuming that the the Willie Mays one. The, that come from three of the most notable people, players, in Indeed. Major League Baseball history. 755. 755 doesn't hold quite as much even for me as 714. Because 714, yeah. just the look of it as a kid. Babe Ruth, the, the Sultan of SWAT, hit 714. Yeah. Those three numbers together affect you as a young person when you learn of them. Well, six, learn of some of those numbers. 61 would. 61, too, right? too, yes. That, you, that should have stuck with 61, you. 61, it does. But somehow Ruth and his 60 was as big as 61 for me. Yeah. And I, because I read as a young boy the articles about, well, should it be an asterisk? You know, he, Ruth, you know, just as I used to argue on behalf of Ruth over Aaron, that Aaron had about 3,800 more at-bats than Ruth did. You know, that's the amazing thing when you think about yeah, that. You Ruth, have, I mean, you have to way that more at-bats for, for Hammer and Hank to get to his 755. You have to factor that in. Well, you should. Especially in this day and age where analytics is, well, the curvature right. of the moon. Or the, you know, all, <laughs> yeah. everything is factored in. Why wouldn't you factor yeah. in that many more games to reach the, the same or greater height? Coming up at 1130, we get a guy, 36 years at Nike, our own Dick Oldfield of the preferred collective of mm -hmm. uh, Oregon State Athletics, the Damnation Collective. Yeah. Dick Oldfield and Kyle Bjornstad, the uh, help put together the collective. We'll get an update on kind of just how everything's working in that their world. But kind of a deeper dive with Dick, an Oregon State student athlete, graduate from Oregon State, and 36 years at Nike, mm. retired about three years ago. And he and his wife, Karen, went and saw Air. Whether they had a, a Nike showing on campus or for, for Nike, I don't know. But Dick has seen Air, and he began work there in 1984. So he's going to be able to share with us a little bit. Now, he was just getting started then, so he wasn't in high-level meetings with uh, Rob Strasser and Phil yeah, and, yeah. and Sonny Vaccaro and all of these people. <laughs> But he knows of the, the atmosphere and the times very well. He'll share his thoughts at 11.30. Okay. I, yeah. I would, we can ask yes. him for on the air, but how accurate did he feel it was? So that, that we'll, we'll, we'll get that. into that, but yeah. they, the line that everyone's going with, including the creator, Ben Affleck, who's been on some talk shows talking about it, uh -huh. he tries to settle everybody down by looking and saying, please remember everybody. This is not a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> so that he knows very well that he and everybody who took liberties and a lot of liberties. And so that's what 
you know, Dick in saying that says, I still like the movie. Yeah. I but did let's too. don't, let's don't treat it as a document, a, a documentary about how this really all played out and went down. There's some elements of truth in it. And he'll talk to us about the ability of, of Affleck and the, yeah, everybody to capture the feel and the mood and the milieu of the era. I did hear, and maybe you can speak to this, I read an article by Jeffrey Manning in the Oregonian that I think Manning in his review says that you do see Portland, you kind of get a feel of Oregon in the 80s and Nike and out in Beaverton and all that. They did try to put Mount Hood in the West Hills. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because they showed Nike, uh, they showed it off in the distance, and I didn't even think about that, but I thought, I wonder, can you see Mount Hood from Beaverton? You, you must be. Probably to. can on a clear day. Yeah. But were so, they trying to show like a sunset with, with Mount Hood uh, in the background? I don't, that's a good question. Yeah. That's a, I wouldn't have noticed that because okay. of the placement of the sun. Okay. If it were a sun, it could have been a sunrise. Well, they did try to say that, that, that Manning wrote something to the effect of other than this, the one or two things, trying to put Mount Hood in the West Hills <laughs> of Portland. Other than that, they captured the, the, the feel pretty well. Yeah, I thought they did a great job. Okay. And and it was also, you and I talked about this. I'd have to see it again because you always make me, <laughs> you make me have to think back and go, well, I didn't watch it with the discerning eye or ear. I'll do it again on the issue of the terminology in sports and how did it's they get used. that? Right. I think they did because mm-hmm. the whole movie is about sports. They had, they did not have generic names when they were talking about who they wanted to throw some money at. To be, to, so you to, actually to hear shoes. real names yeah. from that era yeah. about who do we, Olden Colony? So you know, yeah, exactly. I mean, you're hearing names, Stockton. obscure names. Oh, John Stockton's oh, yeah. name comes up? All the names. As it should in Every that time period. Every name yeah. that was a player at that He's time. He's up on a board or something? on a board. Okay, good. I like a, the sound of that. a roundtable meeting about, well, who do you want? Who do you think? And <laughs> Sonny Vaccaro's, <clears throat> Matt Damon's character questions this guy when he says, I like uh, so-and-so, mm-hmm. and this is where my memory is going. I wish I could recount the whole experience. But the guy goes, he kind of throws it out there. And it reminded me of the Moneyball scene where they're talking about whether or not a guy should be drafted because his girlfriend's good. Oh, yeah, he's got a hot girlfriend. Therefore, he needs to be a little higher in our estimation. Yes. And he says, well, why do you you like him? He goes, I don't know. I just do. He goes, have you seen him play? Uh, uh, And he questions him further. Uh, kind of of like Elon (laughs) Musk did yesterday with that poor BBC reporter. I digress. He says, uh, well, what do you mean? Well, you know, I've seen him play. Yeah, of course I've seen him. Well, what do you like about him? Uh, you know, and he couldn't come up with a reason why he he liked him. And he and then he pulls out, he's got good court vision. And then Damon's character just right mm-hmm. on top says, he had, you know, some ridiculously low number of assists last year. Wow. How does he So this movie vision? has a dialogue like that? Yeah, it's great. Now that, that's, that's down in the weeds then. That's good. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Rarely do you see a film that, Treats even when sports is the major theme, something that detailed. Yeah, you know, like I know they tried in the movie, which I liked. I liked because of the character actors. There was a film in the early '80s called That Championship Season with Bruce Dern and Martin Sheen and Robert Mitchum and Paul Sorvino, and it it worked for me, and it still kind of does. I, I kind of liked it. it. I I kind of. Feel like like uh, who's the who's the actor in the something about Mary Matt Matt Dillon? I, I met her and I, I, I 
kind of like your, <laughs> you know, when he's supposed to be spying on behalf or doing some private investigating work for yeah. Ben Stiller. Yeah, I kind of liked her. <laughs> I, I, I kind of like that championship season. Yeah. Walking along, but they try to instill, hey, did you watch a game last night? And Stacy Keach says, yeah, the bird, referring to Larry. Did people refer to Larry Bird as, quote, unquote, the bird? No. I didn't think. I, I've never felt that usage. Yeah, no. That's he an said, incorrect. And here's Keach walking along with Dern and Sheen and, and Sorvino and Mitchum walking along the streets together as they have a reunion of that championship season. They won a high school state tournament. thing I do like about it at the end, after all the conflict and all of the misery that goes on in the human existence, the human condition that the film depicts of various kinds. It's okay in that respect. But in the end, the only thing that can pull the, this splintering group of men back together, <laughs> Robert Mitchum pulls out the cassette tape and plugs it in of the radio call, the radio call of the final moments of the game when that high school team won. And how was that? And, this, and that was actually pretty good. And so because of that moment, it's like, I mean, to me, if if the Beaver players ever splinter, I want to get a 2006 tape and plug <laughs> it in. And the Beavers are the national champions and plug it in because everybody's hugging it out not yeah. long after yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that, that'll there bring you back go. together. But Stacy Keach walking down the road saying, yeah, yeah, I watched the lad. Oh, the bird, he really, he really played well. <laughs> I remember thinking, no. A Celtic fan would not walk down the no. street and say the bird had a good game. It would last have been night. bird, bird or Larry yeah. or whatever. Not the bird. No, thank you. And I thought, what was Fidrich pitching? Yeah, you know, right. I mean, that's the only thing I could think. That's of. That's right. But I remember thinking that's a little detail that they didn't quite get right. <laughs> yeah. And sports, anytime movies in Hollywood, not anytime. Yeah. When they go down the sports road, usually don't get it right. I don't think. No, and they're it, just it's a little bit off. Sports fans don't talk that way. The games don't sound like that. We don't. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I've seen very few that really get it right, but it sounds like if they're getting deep in the weeds, yeah. he only had so-and-so assists. That's that's going pretty deep for a, for a sports Yeah, I, th I thought so, and I, I liked it. But, you know, go, kind of going back to the idea of taking uh, liberties, I, I know I asked this earlier this week, but, again, why? Why? <coughs> why can't it be that they they do do a dramatic documentary and have it be completely factual, maybe leaving some things out for time purposes, but why can't it be completely factual? Or maybe at the end, there's a, there's a, a, a dramatic scene between Michael Jordan's mom and Sonny Vaccaro and her asking for percentage. Mm -hmm. That was real dramatic with the music under and him going, Oh no, we just lost it. Right. Why can't, okay. That could be fake, but the only fake thing in the movie, maybe. But why does it have to be loaded with stuff? It's like, then just forget it and make a completely different thing with different characters. Dick Oldfield will join us. And Dick's, Dick's not claiming to be the ultimate. I will tell you every point, point by point. Well, yeah. they got this one right. This one is shaded. It'll, no, it's not going to be that kind of conversation with Dick Oldfield. Right, but I'm, I'm break basing it down that point off by what point. you said Ben Affleck said. Yeah, and Ben Affleck, it's not a documentary. Yeah. And one of the things that they miss in a very big way, according to Dick and according to the article by Jeff Manning, which is interesting in itself, Johnny, and that is this. Sonny Vaccaro has outlasted some of the other. Rob Strasser, who's in the film, but mm -hmm. Rob's passed away. 
And I believe his wife, Julie, who wrote a book about Nike, an unauthorized book about who, Nike, who was Julie Rob Strasser. Strasser. Was that um, Jason Bateman's character? Yes. Marketing guy? Yes. Oh, he's passed? He's passed. Oh. So, Sonny, with these people no longer, Sonny got his version, essentially, sold and told to Affleck and Damon and company, because Rob was much more involved and much more on board and made the first trip to see Michael's parents, not Sonny Vaccaro. Really? In truth. Oh, come on. So, you see, the whole premise, yeah. the whole premise is probably flawed. Dick will talk to us here in a few minutes about, you know, Sonny was important, but not necessarily for the, <laughs> the, the garnering of Jordan, but for a lot of other reasons, he was an important yeah. player yeah. in those Nike days, and he was involved with Michael, but according to Dick, that's where you have to just, if you're, if you're a Nike person, a Nike employee who knows the story pretty well, you just have to look, he had to look at Karen and say, well, we'll enjoy this, uh, yeah. this fictional depiction of our lives. I'm glad whatever. I don't know all the details yeah, I know. because it is an enjoyable film. Right. And that's, and that's, and Dick, even in saying that and recognizing some things that weren't, that were off. Yeah. He said he liked it. So <laughs> it was good. Kind of like you'll it. like it when you see it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to I hope I kind of like it. I kind of <laughs> liked her. One of my favorite lines the way Dylan delivers that what he has to say, "Yeah, hey, I'm not really doing much private investigating for you anymore on that." Well, why not? Well, I, I met her. <laughs> I kind of like her. <laughs> they all kind of like her a little too much and there's something about Mary. <laughs> Pretty funny, actually, for its time, I thought, that film. Anyway, Air with Dick Oldfield. We'll talk about that and other matters coming up here shortly. 482 feet. I watched a little bit of the game. It yeah. was nice to have it on. Listen to quite a bit of it. Watch, listen, listening, looking for work, listening for work. Enjoyed uh, the Kelnick home run yeah. and a good win for the Mariners. A very good win. It was. They needed it. They needed to snap the, the losing streak before coming home. And uh, Madrigal was one. He was good early. I, I, did, I, I missed a little bit four. of that. Yeah. I heard Dave Sims on the, on the radio saying something to the effect of, and this is all, the pace of the games is such that I noticed Rick Riz did a read for something and it took he had to finish up something. Fans, the Mariners, the one one pitch outside ball too, <laughs> and so you need to get a MarinerTickets.com, and now the two two pitch fouled away, and we'll see it at uh, T-Mobile Park on so and so date. You know, I, like I to love get, it to get it all in. I love it. Back in the day, you could go through a a couple of paragraphs of reads <laughs> as you await the next pitch. It, it, I like it too. The pace is faster, but I noticed Dave Sim said something to the effect of. Nico Horner and Nick Madrigal were aggressive in, in their first at-bats. He didn't say what they did uh, because then something happened. The action proceeded. So I didn't get the full review of in the first Madrigal jumped on the first pitch or whatever it is he did. All Sim said was Horner and Madrigal, Horner, the former UCLA uh, Stanford star. Yeah. Stanford, I believe. Yeah. And Madrigal, so go, go Pack 12 did this and that. They were aggressive early against Logan Gilbert, and, and but then the next play occurred, and I never understood. He said that, but he didn't define 
He didn't have time to. It's not so, his fault, but he didn't have time to define what it is they did that showed an aggressive approach early in the game. So here's what's going to happen, and this will involve you and me if I end up doing any more, but broadcasters are going to have to not only shorten things up, but think strategically. Don't start a story that's long with two outs because it's going to die during the break. Um, If you can't, it's, I think it's okay to do long stories as long as you include all the plays. And you know, that's been, that's been baseball radio broadcasting for decades. The brilliance of being able to do that. And, you know, Scully and, and some of those old guys, they didn't really do them as much of that because back then there was a faster pace. There was, although Vinny was renowned for yeah. the stories. And as everybody has acknowledged, and it's true, what Scully was doing, the high art that he created in that format, the games would usually almost always cooperate <laughs> with his storytelling. So he could talk about... Well, Len Gabrielson, and and Cole Gabrielson plays for USC, Len Gabriel's grandson. Len, because he had 10 home runs one season. This is how sad my life was and my role models were. (laughs) Len Gabrielson was one of my early heroes. Why? Well, he hit 10 home runs in 1968. Well, what's big about that? That led the Dodgers. (laughs) (laughs) And I was a Dodger fan. So, oh, Len, Dad, Gabrielson's up. He... Ten homers is all he hit. Heck, heck that was that's a big deal back that then. That same year, Frank Howard hit ten homers in a week that same season. But Len Gabrielson hit ten to lead just a, a ridiculously bad Dodger offense. But because he was my guy yeah. on my team, former USC star. And you were young. Len Gabrielson was a guy for me. But Scully could start telling a let When Len Gabrielson was at USC and played in the College World Series, the 1-1 one, one pitch is outside, ball 2-2, two, two, he would go through a hole at bat, and the story would culminate. And Gabrielson had a game-winning hit, and the Trojans under Rod Dato won their national championship. Gabrielson swings a ground ball to second. Len is thrown out at first. At the end of three, the Dodgers 2, and the Giants 1. So you get it all in. Yeah, and the way you just did it, in mimicking him was was good because the uh, attention to the actual call, even though it was just a few words, was good enough that, like the Mariners or some other major league guys, and they're great. That's why they're there. But they do kind of they downplay the the two the two one <laughs> the three zero. <laughs> Well, that's just a modern day phenomenon. A little bit more, a little bit more care on that (laughs) while intertwining in the story. Like what you just did was better than the modern day, the two one. Because you're telling the story, but you're also saying this is important too. This is the most important. Now, speaking of what's important in life, I can reference 565 that Mantle hit. Mickey Mantle hit a 565er off of Chuck Stobbs at Griffith Stadium from the right side of the plate. This is Adley's last homer, right side of the plate. Good news, good things. Jim Wilson just texted me. Yeah, I'm a, Jimmy, if you're listening still, I might even want to bring Jimmy on to get, you know, we have Dick Oldfield. Dick, uh, Jimmy just texted me this. Chuck Stobbs was the pitching coach for the double-A Chattanooga team I played for in the Indians organization on his way up. Wow. 
I want to know if he ever, if anybody, if you knew, if anybody knew of the 565, and was it just something that followed Chuck's? Here's the guy that gave up the longest home run in baseball history, and he's our (laughs) pitching coach. Chuck Stobbs. Let's break and come back with uh, Dick Oldfield on air and other matters. And, Jimmy, if you're listening and available, love to talk to you about the resurgence of the Beavs of late and Chuck Stobbs. Did Did you know of the 565 when you were playing on a team he was coaching for. Back after this on 1240 Joe Radio. Have you been putting off that home remodeling project? Have you decided that this is the year to get it done? For nearly 35 years, people in the Mid-Valley have been going to Corvallis Floor Covering. Stop by and browse through their large showroom with a wide variety of carpet, countertops, window coverings, and wood and luxury vinyl flooring from all the popular brands. Corvallis Floor Covering at the corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown or at CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local. Shop Corvallis Floor Covering. We set them up. You knock them down. If you're looking to work in a fun environment and learn a variety of skills, Highland Bowl in Corvallis is looking for you. Highland Bowl offers competitive wages, part and full-time, and management positions are available. Apply online at highlandbowl.com. We set them up, you knock them down. Highland Bowl! They're in position to try to go for it here, and they will, and it's an option, and Nix is tackled short of the first down! Hi, this is Ryan Cooper Jr., defensive back for Oregon State Beavers. We earned the leader of the pack by playing fast and playing together. You could be a leader by committing to Damn Nation to help all Oregon State athletes prepare for their future. Go to damnnationcollective.com to give today. Be a leader of the pack together. Go Beavers. And Oregon goes for it inside the 30. And it's Oregon State football at the Oregon 28. What happens when you're voted the best new car dealership and the best used car dealership in the Mid-Willamette Valley? Do you gloat about it? Or do you just simply say the complete redesigned CRV, HRV, Civic, Pilot, and Accords are now at Power Honda in Albany off of Saniam Highway for you to take a test drive? I think you do both. And for more information, go to mypowerhonda.com. That's mypowerhonda.com. Get a jump on your spring project with Mike's Corvallis Bargain Center. Now with new cedar decking in stock as well as cedar garden boxes. 2x12 rough cut western red cedar. Mike's Corvallis Bargain Center also has interior and exterior plywood. Blue pine, TG, shiplap pine, S4S dimensional pine, and domestic, exotic, and live edge hardwood currently in stock. Complete your next interior or exterior project with help from Mike's Corvallis Bargain Center. Conveniently located off Highway 34 on Texas Street between Albany and Corvallis. Since 2016, Patrick Lumber Manufacturing has been serving the Northwest with steady and quality employment. Patrick Lumber Manufacturing in Philomath has summer and long-term job opportunities with competitive wages, benefits, and matching 401k. To be a candidate, call 541-929-4717. Again, that's 541-929-4717. And join a great family business at Patrick Lumber Manufacturing in Philomath. (laughs) <laughs> okay, I I am laughing at Jim Wilson's response to the text. He has no time today. Oh, you have time to listen early and text, but you don't, you don't have time to come on the show. Did he know? Have we? Yes. It's. We'll get to that here in a bit. Okay. So hang on. <laughs> Did Chuck Stobbs know? Did people on the Chattanooga AA team know 
of the 565-footer? I'll share Jim's answer a little bit later. But Jimmy won't doesn't have time. He's been pretty nice to us through the years on the Joe Beaver show. Yeah, so he's been great. We'll let it go this time, Jimmy. <laughs> but his schedule doesn't permit him to come on, but he was listening in a very brief break, the meditation on Chuck Stobbs in a 565-footer. We opened the show talking about the film Air, which I have not seen yet. I'm remiss to have not seen it. I'm remiss to have not read Phil's book, Shoe Dog, which I hear is an excellent book and a great read, which ends in the late 80s period, which is much of the the time frame that the film Air purports to cover. Dick Oldfield, Oregon State's own, our own, one of the founders of the Damnation Collective. We'll talk to Dick about that. Dick and Karen are two of the greatest Beaver fans in the history of Beaver Nation, and Dick is kind enough to join us today on the show, 36 years at Nike, and there beginning in December of 1984. So Dick has a real feel for that time period that's depicted in the film Air, and Dick is kind enough to join us here today on the Joe Beaver Show. Dick, good morning. Thanks for your time. How are you today? Yeah, great. Doing doing great. It, it probably says uh, that, that I lived through that period that I'm old, too, but that we won't go there today. <laughs> no, <so. laughs> no need to. You lived through it. You weren't. You told me you were not in the the meetings that are depicted with Rob Strasser and and uh, Sonny Vaccaro and Phil and company, but you were there and lived in that yeah. same time period. So, Dick, in that respect, what do you make in the big picture of the movie Air? Yeah, you know, um, yeah, I was just a young pup there and starting my, my long career at Nike, but um, you still had a good vibe for... <laughs> Uh, the culture at Nike and the, the feel for Nike. And, and while I wasn't in those immediate meetings, you know, I did get product time uh, later in my career with Strasser and Rob Strasser, who was a, a key part in the movie and got to know Phil pretty well. And, and, and so um, it, you know what, it took the family to it uh, opening night last Wednesday. And it was a, uh, it's a good entertaining movie. I think it, brought back some great nostalgia for that time period, the mid eighties in, uh, in the sports world and, and also in the Northwest, you know, cause they really kind of amplify Nike being way up in the Northwest and they show the old Nike building being, you know, basically in the middle of a forest when it, in reality, it was probably in one of the busiest intersections in Beaverton or in the Portland area. It was right on the corner of Murray Boulevard and TV Highway. So um, not quite in the forest, but it was in the Northwest. So. That's interesting. Dick Oldfield, our guest. Uh, Jeff Manning in the Oregonian. Jeffrey, I think, also tried to say that they tried to place Mount Hood in the West Hills. Did you, did, did you get that feeling, too? <laughs> Yeah, it looks beautiful uh, in the back there, in the background there. Um, it, it, it is, um, it is fun though when I talk about you know the Murray TV Highway intersection. When you are looking east on that intersection, so right outside the original Nike buildings, you do get a beautiful view of Mount Hood. Uh, it's a long ways away, but you get a beautiful view of Mount Hood from there. Yeah, that's what I thought it was. Hi, Dick. This is John. I, I was wondering too, my wife I, and I, because she worked um, or lived very near campus and 
84, that was before Nike did the big, was it before Nike did the big expansion to make it more like a kind of like a Disneyland thing? Yes, yeah, yeah. That campus wasn't built yet, so Nike Nike headquarters was a couple buildings on uh, on Murray and TV Highway. We called them Murray One and Murray Two. Mm. Uh, we had a research facility. Uh, as we, I was kind of hired uh, uh, in the company store first. That's how I got my foot in the door. But but um, then I moved into product testing, and that's because we moved our research facility from New Hampshire out to Beaverton. And so we took a, opened up a new building on Nimbus Avenue, which is right across 217 from Washington Square. And then we had, you know, distribution down in Northwest, old Northwest Portland. So Nike back in those days, as we grew, it was a bunch of different buildings all, all around the Portland area. Um, and, and then um, eventually most of it moved on campus when we opened up that world campus in the early 90s. The other question I was wondering about is, at what point was Converse and or Adidas in Portland as well at the time? Because I know Adidas was. I don't remember yeah. if Converse was eventually, but they, I think they both were at some point. But were they back then as it was featured in the movie? You know how, because I saw the movie too, and it was just great. Yeah. But the way that they were yeah. dealing with them, were they in Portland as well? Because they did not make mention of that. No, not then. Not not then. I mean, Adidas was still headquartered in in Germany as they always were, and Converse was back in uh, Massachusetts. And really, most of the footwear industry uh, back then was in the northeast part of the U.S. for for both marketing and production um, and and you know development and design. It was all in the northwest. Nike was really one of the first footwear companies to, to get out of that part of the U.S. and, and make a home in the Northwest. So uh, eventually, yeah, you see a lot of, you know, when Rob Stosser left Nike and, and uh, Peter Moore left Nike, you know, central figures in the movie, and, and they um, eventually started doing work to lead Adidas America, then they, they were the ones to kind of move Adidas, uh, at least the U.S. part, into the Portland area. And and as we know, that you know, a lot of other shoe companies eventually followed. So, um, but Nike was the only one back in those days. Dick Oldfield, our guest, thirty-six years at Nike, and I want to kind of get into your your career and and the areas that you worked in in a in a long and I'm sure very challenging, exciting career, Dick. Here in a moment, but final thing on the movie itself. Yeah. In terms of capturing a spirit in a milieu of a, of a time period, I, it sounds like you say, yeah, they did that. What about Ben Affleck as a guy that, <laughs> Phil Knight, that you know? How did that come off? And yeah. Matt as Sonny Vaccaro and Bateman as Rob Strasserman. How do you feel about the way they portrayed those characters? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, lo- I, I like the movie overall. The, the depictions of those characters, um, and, you know, and... John's seen it, so he probably knows too. I mean, Ben plays Phil kind of in a really goofy, eccentric way, and you know, I think he, I think what often happens, you know, in movies, you take a couple details and then you amplify those to make a fun story out of it. And you know, Phil was and still is a, a genius, super smart guy. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, he probably went around barefoot in the office at times. Yes, he went out on as a lot of us do, whenever I, I have a, a hard decision to make, I go out for a, a, a long run, like they show Phil Knight doing in some key parts of the movie. So 
Um, you know, he came off a, a little goofy in the movie, not not uh, to me like like the real Phil Knight. And then, you know, Strasser, I, I love Jason Bateman. He's one of my favorite actors, and, and so he's enjoyable in the movie. But the real Rob Strasser was a big bear of a man and, you know, loud and, and um, got things done through face-to-face uh, confrontations or meetings and, and you know, didn't, didn't uh, mince words. So very different than the way Bateman plays him. I- I'm really glad to hear what you just said about all those characters because I was wondering the same thing about how closely they were characterized. And boy, you couldn't be more wrong with Jason Bateman if you're talking about a big guy. Big bear of a guy. <laughs> yeah. hey, and the other thing, yeah. too, Dick, yeah. in respect to Rob Strasser, to pay respects to the late great uh, force himself in, in this industry, he, according to the Jeffrey Manning article and, and Julie Strasser, uh, his, his late wife's book about the days in Nike, According to what Manning and others wrote, Rob was a central figure in getting Michael Jordan into the fold. Maybe, and that was not played up as much as it probably should have been in the film. Would you agree with that? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, I think maybe Sonny's role was super important still, but Strasser was had a product, had a marketing man. He he would have been the guy to like close the deal with Michael and his mother. He would have been the guy to make the call on the product, just like Peter Moore, um, really as a creative lead. I mean, he was a creative guru for Nike before, before Tinker Hatfield, who did, you know, who does so many great things still for Nike. And so Peter, you know, really had a bigger role in it too. And so I, I don't want to diminish what Sonny did, but Strasser and Peter Moore had much larger roles in, in real life. Sonny, though, you said to me off the air, was vital and was important, but maybe even more in the space of, of getting college basketball prospects together. He was kind of the, the genius behind all of that. Is that accurate, Dick? Yeah. he. You know, my, I worked in basketball in the early days there, and um, I, I know Sonny, or, or the few times I got to meet with him and interact with him. I mean, they were at great high school kind of camps in the summertime in Vegas, in Indianapolis, in Pittsburgh, where you get the best high school players in the nation coming for a week. And, and that would be a prime ground for the best college basketball coaches to come and check out these guys and watch them and start, you know, start getting to meet them and make offers to them. So to me, that was, that was a huge turning point in, in recruiting and college basketball. And, and I think Sonny was a, a big driver there. And, you know, that led to um, many years down the road, Sonny uh, helped Ed O'Bannon with his uh, mm-hmm. lawsuit in college athletes to help uh, college athletes get name, image, and likeness started. So, he, you know, he was instrumental in helping the whole NIL get started in the, in the U.S. So, wow. Yeah. Those are two big things yes, for Sonny. No doubt. Dick Oldfield, our guest. Two quick questions. Did you this one's a shot in the dark. Did you work with a man with the last name of Niebergall in Nike? Oh yeah. I worked with uh the dad who was a lawyer for us and worked with his son uh in in the retail John, my retail. John guy. Niebergall? John Niebergall and then Tom, yeah. Tom Niebergall. So yeah. I went to school with Pete, John's younger brother, and I had forgotten until just now, and I was thinking back that, you know, I don't know about Mike, because Mike was kind of late to getting to the state, well, mid-70s, but we all are touched by it in some way, and here's how it happened for me. 
I'm playing basketball at Lake Oswego as a freshman in 1980, and Pete Niebergall's dad works for Nike, this new company. It was really, I mean, even though it was 1980, it was still kind of new. And we all, the entire program, from freshman all the way up to varsity, got these brand new Nike (laughs) shoes. It was the only pair I've ever owned. And... (laughs) Don't I just tell Phil that. Yeah, and I just remember that. This was 1980, and I can't believe you not only named uh, the dad, but you also <laughs> named his older brother John. That That's fascinating to me. Yeah. Uh, the other question I had, Dick, was on Peter Moore. Was his was he like the character? And Because they he had that speech impediment that was hilarious, but he also was just really, you know how they portrayed him as, like, fanatical about creating shoes. Was he like that? Yeah, you know, I didn't, I didn't get to know Peter very well, but from my few interactions, I mean, he was, he was, um, how should I say it? Not as introverted as they kind of show in the movie there. I mean, he was a good athlete. He was very creative. He was very smart. He and Strasser made a great team. Um, and so I, I think he was a little, little more extroverted than they make it sound, you know, his, his office wasn't down in the basement in a lab area, you know? So, um, and, and that's all fun part of the story, but, but, um, I think, yeah, if I'm, if I'm Peter's relatives or Rob's relatives, I, I'm saying, you know, fun story, but a little, <laughs> little different in real life. And the final thing on the movie that I want to close Dick, I know you've got a podcast coming up that you'll be involved with here shortly, but I want to close with, I think the thing to keep in mind is what Ben Affleck told Jimmy Kimmel or whatever you said you saw him on a show. This, folks, this was not intended to be a documentary, right? I mean, if you can take it in that spirit, you can enjoy the storytelling. Yes, yeah. And, you know, he he told the story about how, you know, how nervous Ben, how nervous Ben was to go talk to Michael to get his blessing to do the movie. And Michael, you know, gave the blessing, but... um, his, his main deal was he wanted Viola Davis to play his mom. Hmm. And Ben said, great. But he, but he told Jimmy that, hey, immediately he said, we only have a few lines for Michael's <laughs> uh, mom in the script right now. we got to go back and rewrite the script to get a lot bigger part. Cause you don't go ask Viola Davis to be in a movie and then give her like three lines. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so there's a lot of that editing, a lot of that addition um, what they do in a, in a script as they get ready to make it. But I think, um, made, made it a fun story and, and you just take it as that, you know, Dick, your own career. We've talked a little bit about it both on and off the air, but not enough because it's fascinating in its own right. 36 years. You said you started in the company store. You moved into product testing and footwear development, traveled a lot to Asia in that time period. Tell us about that step and the relationships. I think you've talked to me about Andre Agassi and some other people in that world that you became close to. Andre has a son, by the way, on the USC baseball team coming to Corvallis yeah. this weekend, Jaden Agassi. But tell us a little bit about Andre, your relationship with the different athletes you've worked with, you ended up working with at Nike. Yeah, I, I, I feel really blessed, and uh, my whole career was on the footwear side, um, and, and like you said, I started in product development and, and really learned how shoes are made, both from the Beaverton side with the designers, uh, but also over in on Asia trips, working with the factory teams over there, and really how complicated putting some of these shoes are together, but I graduated in marketing at Oregon State, and so I always wanted to be on that side of the, the business, and eventually... 
uh, was able to work in marketing first as a product manager and then and then as a um, kind of leader of, of different footwear categories uh, as I got later in my career. And so really felt blessed to be able to, to work in uh, running, you know, and I was in running in the 96 Olympics. I got to work with Michael Johnson and, and when, you know, he broke the world record in the 200 and and uh, got to work on uh, Air Jordan, uh, the Jordan 7 with Tinker Hatfield and Peter Rupi was head of marketing then and felt blessed to be able to meet Michael and get to know him and, and Howard White, um, you know, there. And then I spent a couple stints in tennis. And, uh, you know, when you work in a category that, you know, I grew up playing football, basketball and, and ran track all through high school and then ran track at Oregon State. So tennis was something I just did on, on weekends for fun with, with friends and stuff. But when you work in a category like that and you get exposed to these amazing athletes, I knew enough about footwork and, you know, lateral, lateral movements and quick starts and stops through basketball and stuff to apply it to tennis and, and being able to work with the likes of Andre uh, Agassi and work on, you know, really learning to listen to what he needs and footwear and then flip it and, Dr. Guy, Jim Courier, who was number one in the world, and then Pete Sampras, who was number one in the world. And, and at that point, you know, McEnroe was on his way out, but he was always very vocal in what shoes needed. And so we, we worked with him. And then, um, you know, the second stint, I was really excited to be able to work with Roger Federer and Rafa Nadal on the men's side and then Serena Williams on the women's side. And, and, um, and again, phenomenal, as, as we all know, best athletes in the world but also just able to articulate exactly what they needed in a shoe that would help them, you know, reach their peak. So, wow. um, you know, Dick, phenomenal. Yeah. I, I feel very blessed. We're going to yeah. need to explore more and, and have time to do a podcast with you yourself someday about some of the stories <laughs> yeah. with these yeah. athletes. This is fascinating in its own right. Before we get an update on the nil world going on with the damnation collective, any, just what, what you're working, you and Kyle and all of the student-athletes and everybody at Oregon State. We'll get to that in a moment. But just a quick thought, then, on another movie that I loved, King Richard. I, I mean, you were kind of involved with, with Serena and thus that. I mean, did, did, did you think that film got kind of the spirit of things right or not? Uh, well, you know, as far as I, I know, I think it did. I mean, just to see, you know, Serena and her sisters come from a non, um, conventional place, you know, didn't grow up in a, in a country club, but, but, uh, honed their game with their father and, and, um, the battles they fought off the court as much as on the court as they grew up, uh, you know, I thought it was a, a pretty good movie and, um, I got to know Serena, you know, pretty well, and even her sister Venus a bit, and they are just, um, a- as you read, they're out, they're outstanding people, and you know, you got to get to know them, you got to get, you got to mm-hmm. spend some time with them first to kind of get in their circle because a lot of people are trying to get to know them, I'm sure, but um, they are super people and great advocates for not only tennis, but like you guys know that you know, just advancing the the um, female physique of female athletes and and women's sports they've been so uh, instrumental there so it was it was really a blessing that I got to work with them there. John and I are looking at each other and say we got we do need <laughs> to go into I and mean, these are amazing figures in in the history of our lives and sport and you know them and have worked with them so I hope we can do this again down the road Dick. Last sure. thing the, the, what you're involved with 
on a day-to-day basis now. What's it's exciting to hear the commercials. We hear them every day with mm-hmm. student athletes getting paid to endorse products and so on. Ed O'Bannon, Sonny Vaccaro. I mean, it's amazing how it all ties in in this conversation, yeah. Dick. But what's the latest with the Damnation Collective? Where are you kind of spending your time and energies right now? Yeah, super excited. We kind of finished what what we call kind of quarter one since we've uh, first launched back in November, and our our zones or our quarters are kind of built around the transfer portals because we don't want to we, we want to work with the athletes when when we know they're going to be at Oregon State still. So we kind of go a little quiet during the portals, but but we're working on opportunities for these athletes so that as soon as uh, the portals close, uh, we can get them active, get them going in areas where uh, where they want to grow and uh and help them make a little uh, money for the for the long run there so you know we, we work with a lot of football players right now we're starting to meet with some basketball players on the men's and the women's side which is really exciting we've done a few things with uh some of osu uh gymnastics and and um and i think there'll be some other sports coming down the road here but um it's been really exciting not not only to find some opportunities for them you know i think we Saw you, Mike, obviously, and John at uh, Les Schwab opening mm-hmm. where we had some football players come by, which it's just great to see fans come up and be able to just walk up and chat with the players. Yep. And the players are also gracious to get to know the fans, too. So that was really fun to see. But but I also think where, I, where I'm excited is we're also working with some um, tax planners so that as these student-athletes start to make a little bit of money, mm-hmm. we have um, – an accounting firm that they can meet with and, and talk to them about whatever their goals are, whether they want to mm-hmm. save some money or how they, how they minimize their taxes or how they even just learn to, to set some aside for taxes. So they're not stung with a big uh, yeah. tax bill at the end of the year. So finding things where they can learn some of these life skills like tax planning or brand brand building that we're working on them with those things are, have been super, um, super rewarding so far. Dick, it's great to talk to you. I know uh, you and Karen are at everything great. you can possibly get to. Thank Karen keeps me apprised of, of information. I love the the love that you have for the beeves, for one another, for everything you're involved in in life. It's been a real pleasure to get to know you guys over the years and hope we can continue the conversation down the road. Thanks for making time for us today. Absolutely. Good, good to talk to you guys again. You guys have a good day, and let's go beeves. Thanks a lot, Thanks, Dick. Dick. Dick Oldfield, our guest on 1240. Joe Radio. It's Tolman Brewing's one-year anniversary celebration this Saturday, April 15th. Come by with friends and family to win door prizes and hear some great live music from Dark Horse. Check the events page at tolmanbrewing.com to see what's coming up, including karaoke night with Jackie Rohr this Friday. It's Tolman Brewing's one-year anniversary celebration this Saturday at the corner of Airport Road and Primrose Street off Main in Lebanon. The landing at Tolman Brewing. Same great place, same great food and beverage. What happens when you're voted the best new car dealership and the best used car dealership in the Mid-Willamette Valley? Do you gloat about it? Or do you just simply say the complete redesigned CRV, HRV, Civic, Pilot, and Accords are now at Power Honda in Albany off of Saniam Highway for you to take a test drive? I think you do both. And for more information, go to mypowerhonda.com. That's mypowerhonda.com. 
The Peacock Bar and Grill is making eating out affordable with a $6.50 specials from 11 till 9 every day of the week. On Monday, it's a small sirloin steak dinner. Tuesday, any pub-sized burger on the menu. Wednesday, it's beef stroganoff. Thursday, it's spaghetti and meatballs. Friday is a French dip. Saturday, pulled pork sliders. And Sunday, it's penne mac and cheese. You can always call ahead and get it to go or have it delivered. The Peacock Bar and Grill, a local favorite since 1929 on 2nd Street, downtown Corvallis. Equipped from front to rear with industry-leading, easy-to-use features, Kubota B-Series tractors are the total package. With high horsepower and excellent durability and implements that easily attach and detach, Kubota B-Series tractors can do anything in any season. See Lynn Benton Tractor and Tangent or go to KubotaUSA.com for more information. Unified Insurance Group is your local independent insurance agency in Corvallis. They represent numerous insurance companies and specialize in auto, home, and business insurance. See Mike Eves, Taylor Starr, and Tom Worth. They'll help find an insurance plan that works best for you. If you're looking for auto, home, or business insurance, see the Unified Insurance Group, 320 Southwest 3rd Street in downtown Corvallis. They're your hometown team, always putting you first. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. You made the admission over the radio yeah, to did. Dick that you only had one pair of Nikes and they were given to you. In my entire life. I have, a, I have what, two pair. What? I'll tell you the story real quick. Yeah. I hated them because back then and, and throughout life when you're young, you choose things. Yes, you do. You choose what your nickname is going to be sometimes, you know, or you choose uh, you choose your teams, you know, when you're in grade school. My, my buddies. Favorite and you stay is, with them forever. Yeah, my buddy's favorite team is the Giants. It's been that yeah, way. And, and then just the most ardent Giant fan. You know what it started from? There was a restaurant, a snow cone type uh, ice cream restaurant across the street from our grade school called Giant. That's it. And he looked at that when he was little and goes, I love the Giants. Yeah. So anyway, I had uh, I chose Converse as my, my shoe. That was my shoe. And so in choosing Converse, you were... Rejecting and yes. hating Nike for no other reason other than <laughs> brand loyalty. You Honestly, rem- you remember the days when the shoes first came out? Well, I do enough in the se- mid seventies, late seventies. People were saying, "Yeah, I got this new pair of Nikes." People yes. referred to Nikes yes. as Nikes mid, in the early uh, days. Nineteen seventy six was the first pair I ever saw the swoosh, and it was Mike Scotty, my frenemy, great athlete. But he you had, said he, he had Nikes. a pair. I said, "What are those?" And he even said Nikes. Right. No, we didn't know. We knew nothing. We had Adidas. We had Adidas in yeah. high school. And we were, I see those shoes everywhere now. The same basketball shoes, uh-huh. the white shoes with the black three stripes across. Yep. Uh, those were our high school basketball and shoes my, in the mid-70s. For me, before that Nike thing, they were Converse uh, canvas high tops, Chuck Taylors. Mm-hmm. Which you could get for 10 bucks at Kaplan's in downtown Portland. <laughs> We're going to get to Jim Wilson's retort about the Chuck Stobbs 565-footer, and we'll have some open phones next hour. Thanks for joining us. Okay, please. Here's the microphone. Is this thing on? This is KEJO Corvallis. Everybody hear me? We're on in five. And Q-I-D. 1240, Joe. 
This is a Bloomberg Money Minute. A major airline is predicting a huge summer for air travel, despite Delta losing more than $360 million last quarter on higher costs for fuel and worker pay. So many people are booking summer plans right now and paying much more for tickets. Delta is now predicting it'll turn a profit for the current quarter. Producer prices, they fell last month by the most in two years. And there was a rise in first-time jobless claims last week, something the Fed was hoping to see ahead of what's expected to be one more interest rate hike coming in May. And with that, stocks are higher. The Dow up 1% over 300 points. The Nasdaq up nearly 2%, over 200 points. And the S&P up one and a quarter percent Chipotle unveiling a new all-electric restaurant design that uses nothing but wind and solar power bought through renewable credits. And everyone loves Doritos. And now Jack Links has two new flavors of beef jerky, both based on Doritos, Flamin' Hot and Spicy Sweet Chili. Tom Busby, Bloomberg Radio. Summer, with all of its events and parties, is on the way. Call Forks and Corks today and make your reservation. Large or small, Forks and Corks Catering will make your event spectacular. From sit-down dinners to buffets or delicious bites, they'll work with you to choose a menu based on taste and budget. Forks and Corks will ensure an enjoyable experience for you and your guests. A spectacular symphony of sensory delight. View their menu and list the venues online. Forks and Corks Catering, events designed to delight. Catering to the Willamette Valley since 2011. When you think of Albans, you think plumbing. And when you think of plumbing, you think water. Hi, this is Katie Albin. Some plumbing projects don't have anything to do with water. At Albans Plumbing, we also work with natural gas and propane lines. So if you need a gas line for home heating, cooking, or for a gas water heater, give us a call. At Albans Plumbing, plumbing's all we do. Call 754-8282. Albans Plumbing. Hi, everybody. This is Mike Parker. We recently had the need to replace some major appliances, and I'm delighted to report that we called Brandon and his team at Kellenberger Appliance in Lebanon. We couldn't be happier with our experience. They answered all of our questions, put us in the best deal, and promptly delivered and installed a new washer and dryer. When you are in need of an appliance, I strongly encourage you to call Kellenberger Appliance. Visit Kellenbergers.com or stop by Kellenberger Appliance at 21 North Main Street in Lebanon. A big thank you from the Parkers to Kellenberger Appliance. If you have a tenant who has missed a rent payment, have an unmet maintenance need, or need to address a rule violation, don't wait. Mediate. If you know you won't be able to make your rent this month, don't wait. Mediate. Hi, this is Jared from Neighbor to Neighbor. We offer free mediation services to both landlords and tenants. The court process can be complicated, time-intensive, and expensive, but it doesn't have to be. If you need some assistance in communicating with your landlord or tenant, call 503-585-0651. That's 503-585-0651. And let Neighbor to Neighbor help you. Don't wait. Mediate. Locally owned and operated Lifetime Gutters does more than just new gutter installations with guaranteed quality craftsmanship at competitive prices backed by a lifetime warranty. Lifetime Gutters can also protect and extend the life of your roof with regular moss treatments and maintenance. Does your home, gutters, and sidewalks need a spring cleaning? Lifetime Gutters can handle that too. Serving residential and commercial properties in the Mid-Valley, call Lifetime Gutters today to schedule your no-cost estimate online at lifetime-gutters.com. Hi, I'm Dennis Overs, the golf guru, here with another golf minute to help you with those plugged lies. It's bad enough to see your ball hit into a bunker and worse to see it plugged down the upslope. Don't fear because this shot is very doable. As with any uphill shot, the concern is getting the ball all the way to the hole because the slope will increase the loft of your club. 
So to counteract this, simply take one more club. For instance, using your pitching wedge instead of your sand wedge. Position the ball a bit forward in your stance with your hands slightly ahead of the ball and your shoulders parallel to the slope. That's important. Then swing through the sand with plenty of force. Don't baby the shot or you will leave it in the bunker and have another try at it. Oh, those wasted strokes. So remember, take one more club than normal when your ball is plugged on the upslope of a bunker and you'll have a much better chance of getting it all the way to the hole. For the Golf Minute, I'm Dennis Silvers. This is your captain. You may have noticed my new haircut on your way in. Wanted to look my best. Getting the new passport photo taken at Staples. In and out in 10 minutes. And while I'm there, I can grab travel-sized body wash. Maybe a shower cap. Don't want to mess up the new do. Staples has everything you need to travel. 10-minute passport photos, luggage, headphones, even personal travel items. And now at Staples, get 20% off your in-store purchase when you buy any travel service. Get all set to jet and save at Staples. Offer ends for 29 In-store only. Exclusion supply. When you're an innovative business, every blinking cursor, every blank page is an opportunity. What will you do with it? Will you make something better or create something new? Our Dell Technologies advisors provide you with tools and expertise to do incredible things. Because we believe there's an innovator in all of us. For advice on smart PCs powered by Intel vPro that's built for business, call a Dell Technologies advisor at 877-ASK-DELL. The Joe Beaver Show is on the air. Are you ready? Just like Donald Trump, Macho Man. I hope you're ready, brother. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready, Woodrow. You ready? I was born ready. Ready? No, I was ready. Lee, ready? John and Mike are ready with all manner of meaningful dialogue, email, bits and bytes, tweets and texts. Oh, I see you take care of both sides of the conversation. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, ladies and gentlemen, it's the Joe Beaver Show. There's never been anything like this. We head into the second hour. Let me tell you a quick story on the shoe thing. Please do. And by the way, Dominic, Dave, anyone, Bueller. Bill Walton, have you read Shoe Dog? <laughs> what a great book. Yeah, I have not. Dominic, Dave, anybody, Brooks, anybody, anybody out there? We talked about Boys in the Boat and got an, uh, an overwhelming response on the University Honda text line, which is open, 497-5356, the Downward Dog phone line. Or uh, we'll come up with a Forks and Corks catering question at some point, too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I wonder if there, I want to get your story. You tell, yeah. You've got something. But is Shoe Dog... Anyone? Worth, is it really interesting and worth reading? Here's what I feel like in our, in our part of the world in Beaver Nation. I feel as though, I mean, you hated Nike because they weren't Converse. <laughs> but a lot of people, I don't know if they quote-unquote hate Nike. I mean, Oregon State certainly doesn't. and They've done great business, and Nike's been good to Oregon State through the years compared to a lot of other deals yeah, mine was that come down the childish, pike. Childish, childish uh, team favoritism. 
But I wonder if there's resistance. You know, people say, let's chart sales in the state of Oregon for our book, Shootout. Oh, it's really selling well in Burns. Yeah, we got a lot of sales in Medford. Oh, Bend is really spiking up. <laughs> oh, Tillamook. Oh, my gosh. Coos Bay. Oh, <laughs> what's going on in Corvallis? You know what I mean? I wonder if oh, there's just this yeah. sort of, ah, that's him. That's them. But you, I wonder if you got beyond that to read his book. Oh, that's a great question. That's my question. I got a third of the way through it. My son took the book, so okay. I never finished it. Okay. And it was compelling. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because okay. I wanted to connect the dots after having read or seen uh, Without Limits. I wanted to connect mm-hmm. the dots with Phil's life and and where did uh, the, the, the uh, waffle iron, which they have all this in the movie on the right. shelf, is kind of a trophy. Where did the waffle iron thing come in? Where did the selling the shoes out of the back of the, right. the car Blue Ribbon Sports, when did it right. become Nike, all that. I the heard, swoosh, they all actually of that. did, And they referenced the woman at Portland State. They didn't say Portland State. In the movie, Eric. They referenced the, the woman's name, too, if I remember correctly, well, in the movie. Good for he her. Goes, well, I paid... A uh, hundred bucks. Laurie Schmidt, uh, I think he said 35 bucks. Yeah, may not have even like been a hundred. You know, because the they do. He talks about, they talk about the swoosh. What's up with this swoosh, anyway? In a downtime when right. all of the stress had been done and they were just kind of yeah it's been a good ride or something uh-huh. like that what by the way what's it the the swoosh you know and i paid some student in portland state yeah. 35 bucks yeah. for it right yeah. okay so what's your story well Doc? on the heels of ending the hour with converse and shoes and really you know in 1980 when we got those shoes they were great if i remember correctly they were as good as any shoe is now as far as basketball shoes and like like i said my friend's dad was uh i guess a lawyer there i didn't know <laughs> that and but 80 was really early in that process yes. a lot earlier than i even remember but i think we're all touched in a way like that we if are. You know someone who works on nike's campus that kind of thing but you know you talked about the importance of shoes and and then i talked about uh the evolution of how you you pick things so back then basketball shoes were kind of a new thing to get shoes that were leather made for basketball mm-hmm. And I don't know exactly when that started, but in 77, Converse came out with a leather high top Julius Irving shoe, Hmm. which was the first that I can remember that a player's name was on. Now, I know if you look it up, you can go back to, I think as far as Bob Pettit. Or Chuck Taylor. Well, yeah, (laughs) except for he was a salesman. Okay. He was not a player? He was not a player. I didn't know that. He was was also the uh, CO of Tex Winter. Before Tex came to Oregon State, Chuck Chuck the commanding Taylor officer was the commanding officer, I think in the Midwest for for Tex Winter, and this was before Chuck. Well, it might have been after he was doing his thing with Converse. I mean, the weirdest connection there, indeed. And then Tex comes to Oregon State, meets his wife, goes to USC, becomes a javelin champion, or either that or a pole vault, and then. Uh, steals the idea for the triangle offense from sam barry from sam barry okay what do you different story keep going doc 77 first shoe comes out that's high top leather after all these years of ten dollar converse now i can get the converse basketball shoe 25 bucks Ooh, that's huge money yes huge money you think my parents were going to give me a shoe no way there's seven of us my dad was cheap anyway no (laughs) way and he grew up you know Fending for himself, so my boy's going to fend for himself. Mm -hmm. And I could do it. Go cut some lawns. Okay. Mm -hmm. I save and I save and I save. I buy these $25 Converse. 
just in time for basketball season to start. I'm in junior high. Mm-hmm. I take them to one practice, wear them, take them off. Cause normally I just wear them all the time. No, these were special. Yep. Take them off, leave them behind, never to see them again. No, of course not. Because I actually have a history of leaving very expensive things behind. I lost two $200 Peugeot bicycles because I didn't lock them up in my youth. And I had to pay for both of them. So you'd think I'd learn my lesson, but I did have to pay <laughs> for all these things that I lost. And yep, yep. it started with those Julius Irving Converse. Some kid out there got the greatest yep. shoe in the world because of my uh, scatterbrainness. If that's you listening here on the Joe Beaver <laughs> Show, make it right <laughs> after all these years. Make it right. Now, you say 77 and you say Irving. The thing that I remember most, I liked the book entitled Just Do It by Donald Katz. Came out about 1993, 94. It was the first full level book to chronicle the rise of Nike. Phil gave it his blessing. That must be the one I need to read. It's good. It's very good. And I interviewed the author himself, Nike. So uh, it was a bit, it was a, it was a biography of the company, but an authorized version and Katz was given access and Phil liked it. So they set up a book tour for him and I, he, they had me at a restaurant in you know, Northwest 23rd in Portland on the old days of the fan and Donald Katz showed up at this restaurant. There were some other Nike people kind of hanging around. And I interviewed Katz for about an hour about the book on the show. Wow. And he had copies of the book. I mean, it was a big deal that Nike promoted. So I had read the book. It's a good book. 1993-94. Katz was an author, and he got access. And Phil liked it and gave it his stamp of approval. Mm. Now, the thing I remember most about the book, and it's interesting, I went back when I was beginning to read about Air and hearing about Air and Sonny Vaccaro and how prominent he is. When I go back and read that book, and I love books with indexes, book, mm-hmm. books that don't have indexes, yeah, they fall short. I had a guy back in the day in the mid-90s at the fan when I was working there, I was talking about the breaks of the game as I always have it because I love that book and I've always talked about it have had the honor of visiting with David Halberstam himself several times in those years and loved him, loved his work, loved that book, talked to different people about things in the book and breaks of the game. But I complained one day on the air about no index. The breaks of the game has no index. And a guy, one of these guys, maybe like Peter Moore depicted in your film air. Anyway, a guy, came to the radio station and said, Mike, if you give me a copy of the book, I'll create an index for you and I'll have it for you tomorrow. What? And he did. By hand? I don't know how, but every, it's unbelievable. It may have taken more than a day, a couple of days. That's a big, thick book with a lot of references. And I don't know what kind of system he used. How did Strong put together or crude and concordances when they did? I don't know, but they did without computers. Wow. They did it. This guy took a few days. Now I say, I'll have it for you tomorrow. It was yeah. like, I'll have, it was over the weekend or something. Yeah. He got, I'll have it to you early next week, that type of thing. Yeah. And he did. And it's pages and pages of an end. I have a personal index for the breaks of the game. Thanks to this guy. That who no one else met has. him once. Here's the book. Be careful with it. 
He took it home and came back with a full seven or eight page index with every name and it measured everything's in there. Was how he, did he do it? Was he a savant? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how one goes about that. He That's did unbelievable. It. it is. So every reference to everybody. Especially that, before computers. Yes. He and, did it. And AI. That's unbelievable. Now, he may have had some computer help. He may have been on the cutting edge of that in the 90s. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's 93-ish, 94. But I've used that index many times over the years to know that Halberstam talked about this. He talked about media rights. He talked about bird magic. He talked about Bill Walton a lot. He talked about Jack Ramsey. The whole John Wooden, that Wooden's trash talk fell a little bit short of some of the principles of his pyramid of success. That's all indexed wow. by this guy. So I can look up Wooden. Where did Halberstam talk about this? So I, when I ran that by Bill Walton a few, you know, a couple yeah. of months ago, I said, yeah, David's right. <laughs> John didn't have many inconsistencies in his life, but that was but one of them. It's in its alphabetical. You go to W's, yeah. you find Wooden. Yes. And, the page and then the pages match up. Unbelievable. Wow. One of the great gifts of all time. Donald Katz's book has an index. So I looked up in light of this film coming out. Mm-hmm. Oh, what did he, I don't even remember Vaccaro being that big of a figure in the book, Just Do It. Yeah. So I looked him up and there's a few entries. <laughs> it's very, not enough. he's to mentioned a, a little bit, but you would have no idea if you read the history of the company Yeah. from the time Blue Ribbon Sports, Nike and Athlete at Oregon, creating with Bill Bowerman and the company, yeah. the, f- the phenomenon up through 93. If you read Katz's book, Just Do It, Vaccaro shows up sparingly in it wow that's amazing it is so what i'm saying is sunny still with us kind of as some of these other power players in the whole story like strasser and others right sunny hey i got a story to tell you and it's 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 hard it, it's being in a sense quote refuted in a certain way by People who get down into the weeds well, and say, well, that didn't happen, and this was this, and this was that. But Sonny's story is the one that ends up getting told. It's funny you say that, though, because I saw a tweet after we went to the movie that the next day, I think we went to it on, no, it opened on a Wednesday. I think we went Friday. And it was not favorable. It said, oh, yeah, why don't you ask Sonny about dot, dot, dot. Oh. I don't remember what it oh, was. It wasn't even, so it was even saying Sonny would disagree with this. Well, no, not about the movie. It was about oh. Sonny doing something bad oh, okay. somewhere else. Yeah, like, yeah. like he's not this great hero guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't remember what it was. But just this person was not a fan of Sonny Vaccaro. And, you know. I got you. He's portrayed in the movie as being more than anything a guy who's who uh, his office is almost like a closet mm-hmm. and just kind of a disgruntled little guy that that puts um, cr- like you say creates high school tournaments and, yes and things like that he was kind of I guess he would have been the inventor or the creator of of what the Nike Hoop Summit which right. is on Saturday night yeah that's probably a, has a lot to do with him yes and in that sense too <laughs> it's possible that somebody over the years may have been burned here and there through a Sonny Vaccaro deal, or there may have been intimations of, eh, we'll guide this guy over here in exchange for this. You know, oh, my gosh, the very the possibility of a slight tinge of corruption in the high school, college, basketball <laughs> recruiting world. Yeah. I mean, it's possible that, you know, yeah. Sonny was at times a, the subject of probes along the way, that uh-huh. way. Maybe that's what this, ask Sonny about this guy. Yeah, right, right. right what right. he did I with this guy. I think that's what it was. You know, it could be. 
I want to get, before we get to Dave, and we've got open phones, would love to hear from any, I mean anybody, who's read Shoe Dog. And did you have to overcome a bias to do it? And I mean that. I, and I'm not even joking when I, oh, Tillamook sales are good. How are we doing in Corvallis, down at Grassroots or the Book Bin or where? Well, not so good. Why not? Well, <laughs> Beaver Country, right? I mean, it, have some of you not read it because of that? Or did you find a way to overcome that and say, well, I don't like what he's done for the guys down the road, but it's a fascinating American story, and he's in our neck of the woods, and he helped save Pat Casey for the Beavers. We owe him a little something. Nike's been good to Oregon State through the years. Uh, Gooder to the team down the road, yes, but they've been good. So, I mean, I'm just wondering if any of you have had to overcome a bias to read the book, and in so doing, enjoy it and learn a lot, or you just can't bring yourself to do it. You can't do it. He's too much of a guy. For the other guy, and I'm not going to read it. And I won't buy Nikes either. I mean, I, that's the Beaver official merchandising company, right? So I just wonder if any of you have actually read the book, anybody, and have some thoughts about what the book is all about. Now, we we went a little long with Dick Oldfield, so we have Dave and Dave on the line. I hope both of you can hold. We'll come back and be in open phones the rest of the way. So Dave's... If you don't mind, hang on. We'll come back. We'll make this one a little shorter, go longer later. But hang in there with us, Dave's, and we'll be back with more on 1240 Joe Radio. Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation change? Hi, I'm former Oregon State athlete Tim Ewis, your Corvallis Edward Jones financial advisor. When we work together, we'll focus on what's important to you. We'll use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And we'll partner to help your strategy stay on track. Contact me today, 541-758-8. Two four five Edward Jones, member SIPC. For auto glass solutions, better call a glass man. Call 541-760-2277. Call the glass man. Hi, this is Jake the Glass Man. Let me fix the crack in your glass. For windshield repair, call me first. For auto glass solutions, better call a glass man. Call 541-760-2277. Call the glass man. Have you been putting off that home remodeling project? Have you decided that this is the year to get it done? For nearly 35 years, people in the Mid-Valley have been going to Corvallis Floor Covering. Stop by and browse through their large showroom with a wide variety of carpet, countertops, window coverings, and wood and luxury vinyl flooring from all the popular brands. Corvallis Floor Covering at the corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown or at CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local. Shop Corvallis Floor Covering. The Unified Insurance Group is your local independent insurance agency in Corvallis. They represent numerous insurance companies, including Safeco Insurance. If you're looking for auto, home, or business insurance, see Mike Eves, Taylor Starr, or Tom Worth. They'll help you find an insurance plan that works best for you. Call 541-757-1315 or stop by at 320 Southwest 3rd Street in downtown Corvallis. The Unified Insurance Group, your hometown team, always putting you first. 
Stargazer Premier Florist in Corvallis knows that a meaningful gift can brighten someone's day and have them feel appreciated, whatever the occasion is. Choose from Stargazer Premier Florist's wide selection of fresh floral arrangements, bountiful bouquets, gift baskets, and houseplants, always delivered fresh with a focus on keeping families and friends connected. Stop in, call, or view Stargazer's Premier Selection online at StargazerPremierFlorist.com. Stargazer Premier Florist, 925 Northwest Circle Boulevard in Corvallis. He shifts Bucky Irving one to zero. They just did get the snap. Hi, this is James Earl, defensive lineman of the Pac-12 number one defense, the Oregon State Beavers. Ongoing visits to rejuvenation for cryotherapy treatments has provided me with long-lasting muscle and joint recovery. Sharpens my mental focus and elevate the endurance needed for me to perform at the highest level on game days. Go to rejuvenationcorvallis.com to book your appointments today so you are always at your best. Go Beavs. He's going for it and the Beavers get home and sack him back at the 44. James Rawls. And James, for that play, is getting a little run. and That's good, as we talked about with Dick Oldfield. Now, Dave and Dave, quick thought. I want to finish the, Jim Wilson on Chuck Stobbs. Stobbs, a left-hander. When you look Chuck Stobbs up on Wikipedia, I wondered how long, wh- how soon will Mickey Mantle come up in Chuck Stobbs' uh, bio on Wikipedia? Well, yeah. it's not the first sentence. It's about the fourth sentence, in, <laughs> it, it, maybe even the third. But it says this, Stobbs is notable for being the pitcher who, who gave up an estimated 565-foot home run to Mickey Mantle that flew entirely out of Griffith Stadium in 1953. That's the first thing that's said about Stobbs after it goes over. He pitched for so-and-so and so-and-so during these years. He's notable for. Yeah. Now, people would not know the name Chuck Stobbs or even bring him up ever if it weren't for giving up a 565-footer. Poor guy had to hear about it every time anybody asked him. And so Jim Wilson said that... (laughs) Stobbs was the pitching coach for double-A Chattanooga when Jim was climbing through the Cleveland Indian system in the early and mid-80s. And I wrote back to Jim saying, did, did you know he gave up the 565-er and did his te- your teammates too? And he wrote back, <laughs> and he says, yes to Mantle. Guys would give him uh, crud yeah. about it all the time, and his response was always the same to the players on the Chattanooga team that were, hey, you're going to give up another fight, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Whatever the nature of the rattle, whatever they would give it, Chuck. Chuck was always prepared. Jim says his ready answer was, hey, guys, where did that happen? In the big leagues. <laughs> Thank you. Next batter, please. <laughs> Scoreboard. He, he gave but I can just, these young Chattanooga ballplayers, yeah. bless their hearts, they knew. Yeah. Because what else do you know about Chuck Stobbs? Oh, he's the guy that gave up the 565-footer. But as he told all these aspiring major league guys at A Chattanooga, yeah, yeah, laugh, at, laugh all you want, guys. Where did that happen? In the major leagues. Get there first before yeah. you give me a ribbing about it. <laughs> I like that, Jimmy. Thank you. Yeah, that's Dave great. and Dave coming up. Dave, good afternoon. Welcome to the Joe Beaver Show. Hey, guys. Just a couple of things. You're talking about the long home runs. And you know, I was, you know, went to a lot of Oakland games back when McGuire and Canseco were there. And, uh, you know, people would show up in the thousands to that left field just yeah. you know, an hour and a half before the game during batting practice. It was crazy. But um, just a quick note, the, the year that McGuire broke that uh, broke the record, he hit 62. 
62 was his shortest home run of the whole season. Mm-hmm. It, you know, with a line drive, barely cleared the wall. Right. So uh, I thought that was just an interesting thing. Um, <laughs> just to, to go to the shoes, the shoes thing, of course, I'm, I think I'm 10 years younger than John. So, uh, you know, the, the Converse wasn't really my thing. And uh, Nikes were getting pretty hot, but... You know, where I lived in California, there was, there was some pretty significant gang activity. And, uh, I mean, there were kids getting robbed and, and shot for their shoes. Yeah. You know, Nike yeah. Airs. Yep. Um, they were so popular. And so my parents, they said, you, you, you're not going to own them. You, well, I'm going to buy them with my own money. Well, I'll throw them in the garbage. That you're not wearing them. Hmm. Um, so it was just, that was a thing. And so, uh, you know, even even though I had a job and had my own money, it was like, well, I'm going to get the next best thing. And the, the Reebok pumps came out. And uh, those were those were hot back in the early nineties. Mm-hmm. Put the tongue pumped up and mm-hmm. had a little air cushion, and those were pretty hot for a long time. So I settled for the Reebok pumps. Um, <laughs> it, the bad just weren't going to let me wear those Air Jordans. Um, That's interesting. You know, we weren't yeah. in a, a super bad area. We had a little slop over, and we were you know twenty minutes from Stockton, and Stockton was a really rough town. Oh, you know, you never knew what you were going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and of course we. Uh, you know, once I got my driver's license, I was pretty mobile, and I had, they, they never knew where I was going to end up in the car either. So had to be had to be careful, but they they just wouldn't let let that happen. So uh, I don't think I owned a pair of Nikes until they were actually like a like a hiking boot. Mm-hmm. We did a lot of backpacking and things like that growing up, and they made a really really good boot for about five years, and uh, they quit making that particular style that I really liked, and so haven't really gone back, but. Uh, just, just a few little interesting things yeah. about, about hey, that whole Dave, thing with the Nike. And, Dave, before you go, yeah. quick question for you. In the 80s, and you talked, you saw McGuire and Conseco as they were coming up, if I'm reading your timeline correctly, the, those great clubs that yeah. uh, Tony La Russa and the A's had, did you go to a lot of ball games then? And, and did they draw? They didn't, they never really have drawn well there. Did they draw okay in those days when they were winning pennants and going to the World Series? They did. Um, you know, my my dad had a connection with a guy at season tickets, and my dad would get probably we'd go probably fifteen games a year. Okay, and we were maybe fifteen rows up behind his dugout, and I mean it would they would pack him in. Okay, um, and uh, my first my first ever game was before I think it was nineteen eighty or 87, maybe 86, um, we saw a doubleheader, and that was Reggie Jackson's last year, and Mark McGuire was a rookie and watched them both home run mm-hmm. in uh, the same game. So that was a pretty big impression on that. And then, you know, Canseco came up, and then I think there was maybe Walt White behind him. They had three rookies of the year in a row mm-hmm. um, coming up through that club and their farm system. And I think at that point they were uh, – AAA was in Modesto – and uh, they they really did. They had they had the, those guys coming up, the young guys, and then they, they went out and got some you know older free agents to really put the ball club together. And uh, it was exciting that that is after we lost that uh, series in ninety, um, yeah. yeah, things uh, things went downhill. And and of course they they remodeled the ballpark, and in my opinion, a lot of other people's opinion, just completely ruined it as a baseball stadium forever. Um, yeah. You know, not yeah. the same at all. It was never really a football stadium either, as far as that goes. So, um, you know, but they they did. I mean, they, 
the convenience of getting to that stadium was so easy. You could yep. jump on the on the bar and drop you off, and it was a hundred yard walk across the bridge. Yeah, it was just so easy to get in and out of there. And uh, you know, I, it's a little bit to my disappointment. They've never really been back to that that uh, you know level of competition that they were then of it domination. It's you know. Yes. They they may have may have been one of the the more remembered ball clubs of the time had they won in eighty eight or ninety also instead they only won in eighty nine which right. you know doesn't really leave you a legacy to win one instead of two or three right yeah, and the eighty nine uh, series remembered more for the earthquake than the athletic sweeping but hey Dave we got to get to the other Dave thank you for sharing your thoughts with us call us again soon uh, let's get to Dave in Tumwater who. Uh, may be able to regale us not only about long home runs, but talking to the Mad Dog himself yesterday about our own Adley Rutschman and the great start Adley is off to. Whatever else is on your mind, Dave, thanks for the call. Welcome to the Joe Beaver Show. Thanks, and good afternoon to you both. Um, uh, let's start with long-distance home runs. You, it might have been before your era, Mike, but in my tops era of baseball card collecting, I think of it as the Irv Norin era because every other card was for Irv <laughs> Norin. Uh, you, the, a Mickey Mantle or a, a Willie Mays was yes. the Holy Grail. Right. But in that era, I remember three specialty cards. And by that, I mean cards that were not the photo of a player, but they depicted a moment. Mm-hmm. I remember three. Two of them were Mantle-related. The 500, the home run in Washington, the home run off the facade of old Yankee Stadium, which would have been over 600 feet <laughs> if it hadn't hit right. if it hadn't hit the facade. And the third and last one is oddly topical. It was the shift they employed against Ted Williams. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those are the only three specialty cards in a decade or more of baseball card collecting. But before moving to Russo, I got I have an epilogue for my Road Warrior story on Monday. Because about 6 o'clock last night, my son texted me a message saying, you won't believe this, but tonight they closed the bridge from Rainier to Kelso because of safety concerns. So just think about it. A mere 48 hours earlier, if that had happened, I would not only have had to drive to Rainier, I would have had to have gone to Astoria. And then over the Megler Bridge, I wouldn't have gotten home until 3 o'clock in the morning just 48 hours. Oh, early. my gosh. Well, I'm glad you didn't have to go through that, Dave. <laughs> good. That is a good postscript, though. It's wild times, that's for sure. So, you called Mad Dog. How did that conversation go? Were you calling specifically about Adley, or does it always just come back to Adley? <laughs> well, no, there was this kind of a context there, and uh, dare I say there might be an, uh, an opportunity for you fellows as well. So, in the uh, Tuesday In Monday's mail, I get the OSU Alumni Magazine, although I'm not an alum, but you give enough money. In fact, I've become a member of the Kerr Society. I've given so much money, I'm proud Good to say. Good for you. Um, and and I'm, I look in, this, in the note, in the book notes, and I see that a former alum of Oregon State, one Stephen K. Wagner, class of 75, has just published a book called Bronx Epitaph. How Lou Gehrig's lucky, luckiest man speech to find the Yankee legend, and I'm thinking Russo has got to hear about this. Yes, and that's kind of that's kind of my job with that show. I know right. it's kind of self-flattering, 
but uh, but it, it, it's the truth. Chris looks to me for suggestions, and he loved the idea. I could I could almost hear him scratching down on his notepad. Mm-hmm. He's gonna. But since Stephen Wagner is an Oregon State alum, you guys ought to get him on your show to talk about his book. It just came out. I, I read a little bit of a, a little bit of it online. One of the endorsements for the book, and this might just struck me as being so poetic. We'll get to Adley. One of the endorsements calls Derek's speech the Gettysburg Address of Baseball. <laughs> is that not sweet and appropriate? It is. Soul? Yes, it is. And That's great. And I, this is really good information. We'll, TJ will go to work immediately and trying to track down this Stephen Wagner. That's but I've got to give you one more tidbit for this before yeah. we get to Adley. So uh, I, in, uh, 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 the book is organized uh, by the various segments um, uh, from uh, the, the speech. And it's, it's, and it's interesting to note, and I don't want to get too carried away with this, but if you read Garrick's speech that day, gentlemen, it's addressed to the fans. Mm-hmm. That's who he's talking to that mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's a lesson Stephen Kwan can eventually get to, because the most famous speech in baseball history by one of the most famous players, is addressed to the fans. But get this, Shirley Povich, legendary reporter, was there that day. Mm-hmm. And this is what he wrote. I saw strong men weep this afternoon, expressionless umpires swallow hard, and emotions pump the hearts and glaze the eyes of 60,000 baseball fans at Yankee Stadium. That is good baseball writing right yes. there, and Shirley was one of the best. Yes. So anyway, so that, that set the stage for my call to Russo. So I, among other things, I talked a little bit about Aaron Rodgers, a little bit about uh, Kevin Durant really needs a title this year because Steph's won four, and the only, only two Durant has won is with Steph, so the pressure's on him. Chris disagreed, but this was the proposition I put to myself. Chris? I said, in the summer of 1919, I called you when I said when the Orioles drafted Adley Rutschman, he was going to be a franchise-defining player of the order of Brooks Robinson, Cal Ripken, and Eddie Murray. Having seen him enough so far, do you agree or not? And he, and he paused for a second, which if you never listen to Russo, you know it's kind of a big deal. Right. Because he, he's, he's always right. He's ready to go. With a response, he paused for a second and he said, yes, but it will only happen if the Orioles are smart enough to lock Rutschman up now to a 10, mm-hmm. 12-year contract like the Mariners did Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, he is such a captivating talent that if they don't do it soon, they're going to get in his ear and they, he might just, he might, they might only have his original contract with him. I thought that was yeah. that was very astute on yep. Russo's part. It struck me that he's absolutely right about it, and so that was my uh, that was uh, Russo's take on Adley Rutschman, and uh, so that there's that story. But this Wagner book on Garrett, I mean, you guys have got to get him yes. on. Yes, no, he we used do. To be a reporter for the Oregonian. He used to run the police blotter in Vancouver, Washington. Well, before he moved. Before I move to the big time. Yeah, well, this is, I mean, this is all new to me. I, the, the book on the speech 
One of my favorite books of all time is Gary Will's Lincoln at Gettysburg. Have you read that, Dave, where he breaks down every line of the speech? It's a beautiful book. I think that must have been Wagner's uh, model, Mike. It may be, because uh, we'll see. I mean, I don't know anything about it other than what you've just said, but if Stevens an OSU alum, absolutely, even if he wasn't, the subject of the book would be interesting. But the fact that Wagner is an OSU alum and has written about the most famous sports speech ever, uh, we need to track him down. So we'll do what we can. Thanks for the tip, Dave. That's great. Okay, you guys have a good great day. Talking I'll see you at the park tomorrow night. Mark. Thank you. And and Shirley Povich is Maury's dad, right? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. I believe that's that's the case. I've never followed up a, a, a bigger fan of Shirley than of Maury through the years, <laughs> but I think you're correct, sir. Understandable. You are correct, sir. Let's break. Let's break. We'll come back. Uh, anybody? On, we'll get to some texts some good next. Texts. Some good texts. We'll get to them next on 1240 Joe Radio. Woodstock's Pizza on Kings Boulevard in Corvallis is all kinds of pizza for all kinds of people. See, it all starts with over 35 fresh toppings to choose from, multiple dough options, multiple crust options, and multiple cheese options, including vegan and dairy-free choices. See, we make all kinds of pizza for all kinds of people every day. Woodstock's Pizza, all kinds of pizza for all kinds of people on Kings Boulevard in Corvallis. What happens when you're voted the best new car dealership and the best used car dealership in the Mid-Willamette Valley? Do you gloat about it? Or do you just simply say the complete redesigned CRV, HRV, Civic, Pilot, and Accords are now at Power Honda in Albany off of San Am Highway for you to take a test drive? I think you do both. And for more information, go to MyPowerHonda.com. That's MyPowerHonda.com. Leading off this inning for your tax and wealth management team is David Mendenhall. Batting second, Bill Heck. And batting third, Robert Berry. It's always important to have a talented lineup. The same is true if you need some advice on personal or business tax planning or just some help with financial strategy. With over 40 years in business, tax and wealth management has the experience you need to hit that home run. Call or stop by Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis, your hometown tax team, and start your journey on the road to success. Hi, everybody. This is Mike Parker. We recently had the need to replace some major appliances, and I'm delighted to report that we called Brandon and his team at Kellenberger Appliance in Lebanon. We couldn't be happier with our experience. They answered all of our questions, put us in the best deal, and promptly delivered and installed a new washer and dryer. When you are in need of an appliance, I strongly encourage you to call Kellenberger Appliance. Visit Kellenbergers.com or stop by Kellenberger Appliance at 21 North Main Street in Lebanon. A big thank you from the Parkers to Kellenberger Appliance. The Frame House is changing management. After a million years, Al says it feels like a million, he's stepping back. He'll still be on site, still working, but Steve, with his 44 years of experience, will be gradually taking over. Most of you won't even notice a difference, other than Steve might be at the counter more often. They'll still help you find the perfect mat and frame to complement your pictures and decor. And you'll still find a great selection of ready-made frames, prints, and art supplies. The Frame House, on West First in historic downtown Albany. Since 2016, Patrick Lumber Manufacturing has been serving the Northwest with steady and quality employment. Patrick Lumber Manufacturing in Philomath has summer and long-term job opportunities with competitive wages, benefits, and matching 401k. To be a candidate, 
Call 541-929-4717. Again, that's 541-929-4717. And join a great family business at Patrick Lumber Manufacturing in Philomath. TJ, he's a go-getter. He's ambitious. He's already reached out to Stephen Wagner on an email, Dave, to see if we can line him up for the show. That's great. Great work, TJ. Thank you. We'll see what we can do. Oregon State alum has written a book on Lou Gehrig and the speech. What a speech it is. That's why the film, The Pride of the Yankees, I I, I don't think The Pride of the Yankees produces the speech exactly verbatim. Not quite, but mostly because it's a work of art. It's beautiful. They should have used it. Yes. They they should have shown the real speech instead of having Gary Cooper do it. Well, or at least have the audio and have him mouth it. It's, it's beautiful. Anyway, Mike and Corvallis on the Downward Dog phone line. We'll get to the University Honda text line in just a second. Mike, thank you for the call, and welcome to the Joe Beaver Show. Hey, how you guys doing today? Doing Good. well, thank you. Hey, you know, I, I've listened to this show for years, and, John, you've mentioned a couple times two stores that I, I swear to God brings me back to the time I was 15 years old. <laughs> One of them was Kaplan's in downtown Portland. Yeah. And that place was just like a kid's dream. Wasn't that great? I mean, oh, my God, I love that store. <laughs> yeah, the smell. The one, it, it had that old smell. It was the old smell like it had been there for 100 years. <laughs> I think the guy's name was Cap, old man Kaplan with his white hair and big old glasses would, would come by and help you. It was almost like a hoarder's house. Every all of his sports gear was up on the walls, and and you know you had to climb through things, but you got them cheap, and we got those Converse for ten bucks because they might have one slight little irregularity on them. Let me tell you what that was. That I, that was beautiful. The other one is when I was in the eighth grade, I went to my best friend's uh, grandparents' house, and it was in Lake Oswego. And John, is there? A, I might be wrong here, but I think I'm not. Do you know a place called Mountain Park? Yeah, that's uh, where several of my friends uh, grew up and spent many, many a time in Mountain Park. Yeah, so we went there for the weekend, and we just started walking down the hill and came upon a store by the name of Blue Ribbon Sports. And we didn't really know much about that or whatever, so we went in there and they had these shoes that were... I don't know if you guys recall, but they used to be called Onitsuka Tigers. I had a pair. Yes, I know what you refer to. Yes. Huh. And Yeah, now they're Asics. Interesting. I don't remember that story. I remember Tiger Onitsukas and being excited to have them back in the day. So what about Blue Ribbon yeah, Sports? They're, it, it, yeah, they're the same stripes. They're the exact same stripes as, uh, as uh, Asics, but they became Asics after uh, okay. Onitsuka Tiger produced Okay. Wow. But anyway... So anyway, those are just something, John, you've mentioned before. But yeah. I guess the story is, when I was uh, grew up in Hillsboro, and um, I think when I was about a junior in high school, would have been about 75, uh, everybody had either Converse, Adidas, or Pumas, right? I mean, that's just, that's all you wore, because that's what there were. And these new shoes came out. And, of course, Mike and you guys have said we all called them Nikes because we didn't know what the heck they were. <laughs> right. And so, you know, they're not very popular at this point. Uh, but then one of my friend's dads went to the dump in Hillsboro. And what Nike was doing 
is they take truckloads of shoes that were factory seconds, which, you know, there's a smudge on them or a, mm-hmm. a little bit of glue that eked out. And so they were... <laughs> So what we do when we were juniors in high school, we'd go to the dump at night <laughs> with fla- with flashlights. Yeah. We'd climb the fence, and there was thousands <laughs> of there were mountains of these shoes, <laughs> and we and they tied them together. The shoe strings were tied together, right? Yeah. And so you know you'd find you guys. I had probably twelve pair in my in my bedroom, <laughs> and I didn't. I didn't know what they were, but shit, they were free, right? I mean, yeah. And so, yeah. so all of us were doing that, and I think they caught on. <laughs> so what what happened after about a year of that is we start you know, we kept going to the dump because they'd have new shipments of these seconds. Yeah. So what they started doing is they knew we were doing that apparently, but then they took a razor blade and they slash a huge gash in the uh. shoes so that you couldn't really wear them, and it kind of ruined our caper. <laughs> just like, oh, that's too bad. Unbelievable. That's too bad. Great stories. Mike, those are great stories. Is the Blue Ribbon Sports in Mountain Park or in that area, is that, did they call themselves that as a homage of sorts, an homage to Nike? I mean, was that an original outlet store for Nike back when it was Blue Ribbon? Do you know anything about that? I don't think they had Nikes when I was in the eighth grade, Mike, because I'm your age. Well, no, so it would have been. So that. it was already called Blue Ribbon Sports when you were young there? Yes. It, okay. Yeah, when I was in the eighth grade, it was Blue Ribbon Sports. Uh, I'll never forget it. Well, okay, but Phil Phil had started the company by then. I mean, I'm just curious if that has anything to do. It had to have been Phil's company. Yeah, if it was his store yeah, back in I those days. I don't remember that eat, store. But. Probably in Shoe Dog, which I haven't read. <laughs> Mike, great stories. Right, yeah. Mike, thanks for calling. Call again, please. Those are awesome stories. Thank you, sir. Uh, Okay, guys. Thanks a lot. Good to hear from you. Hey, you bet. You bet. Take care. I don't know what happened. Uh, You hit the button. Hit the wrong button. It made it solid, which meant that the hang up. Okay. Um, Wow. Really good stories. Had a good thing going. They, They were taking too many out at once. If they would have chosen their shoes a little more discriminately and not taken out as many, Nike may not have noticed. Yeah, that's true. Okay, anyway. That's true. Uh, someone wrote in earlier, says K-Swiss was the go-to show in the 60s. Shoe, before all of this exploded. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, okay, here's one. I was at Adidas in 1996 and can speak to some of this, so we'll have to get Scott on. Scott and Tiger? And Tiger. Yes, have we call on send us Send us your, uh, I may have it in my phone, but send us again, Scott, please, a cell phone. Okay. And we'll, uh, we'll uh, to the text line, and uh, we'll get back to you. Thanks for a fantastic interview with Dick Oldfield. Yeah. Um, can't get everything. Beavers, like, uh, however, just a tip. Already be aware that the OSU tail, tail mail, they reported junior track star Annika Morsdorf set the school record with three personal bests in the pentathlon with 4,092 points at the recent Seattle Ken Shannon invite. We should. So I think the point of that is let's, let's make an effort to get her on the fan. We'll get her on. Um, and okay. You had one from Doug. You mentioned. Yeah. Where did it go? It's the Joe. Thanks. uh, uh, Joe Beaver show. Things just disappear because if they add on to them, it takes it away. Oh, from my my view, uh, Mike in Seattle says, "Don't forget about Avia as oh, a yeah. shoe, also important." Yeah. 
Are they still going? After, I don't know. I, I don't forget Mock that. Moda. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Glenn has a question. When is there a 10-run rule? Is that just on getaway day? And and not always and not always in about, place. But... Not always in place on getaway day either. It's not automatic. I okay. don't think. Okay. I think Did... it has to be agreed upon beforehand. Okay. Um, somebody pointed out that KJ Harrison's younger brother plays for USC. Yes, he does. And I looked him up, and he does, and he's he's a freshman this year. But under his bio, they list him as playing for Oregon. I know it's interesting. They talk about KJ. Uh, I have the notes. I'm work, still working on USC stuff because the game is an eternity away tomorrow night. But he's one of the first players that came up in my research, and it does say in the USC media guide, K.J. Harrison, who starred at Oregon before being drafted in the yeah. third round. We'll, we'll fix that in the broadcast. <laughs> uh, this is from Doug from Salem. I'm reading The Shoe Dog. I've only read the first pages. The book is very personal. Uh, very personal. He, Phil Knight, got a lot of help from his father. His father put Phil through both Oregon and Stanford, then used his influence and money and a basement help to start Nike. The father was in management at the Oregon Journal. I do remember that uh, in the first third that I got to read. Meanwhile, Hope Our Mighty Beavers went against the spoiled children this weekend. <laughs> Doug from Salem, and he says, And Doc Mike was so kind after the sixth and seventh innings was trying to get the game over after it was 11-1 to 1 to stop the bleeding from the Bulldogs. Doug from Salem, giving you some props as well, to... Well, yeah, that was a... The Beavers, rarely are you involved, as the Beavers were the other night, in a game that was utterly out of hand and a mismatch, which between the Beavers and Gonzaga, that hasn't been the case. Gonzaga's in a transition rebuilding mode. For the Beavers to do what they did was encouraging on a, on a certain level, but it became, at the end... Okay, that's enough runs, and let's just kind of get this right, game over right, with that right. feeling. And everybody feels that. I felt that, way that. As a listener. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, thank you, Doug. I worked. This this is from Al. This is great. I worked at Nike from 1980 to 1990. I was in charge of special projects and corporate audit. I reported to the board of directors. Rob Strasser was a friend. Oh. Uh, more be more than happy to oh, give yeah. you some of uh, off the record insight into what really happened regarding <laughs> air. I was one of the only OSU grads hired to work at Nike during that time. And he said, feel free to call. So we'll, well good. We'll, we'll and now him. we will. Now yeah. Dick Oldfield was another then, if that's true of Al, an OSU grad. Yeah. Now hired around 1979, 1980, Dick Oldfield began work there in December of 1984. So Al, you and Dick may have been amongst early employees or employees in that era yeah. from Oregon State. You know, maybe outliers by comparison yeah. to to the to the preponderance of other hires. He also time. says that he's got some good Sonny Vaccaro stories. Okay, let's and do we can it. Call yeah. him, and he said Strasser was a friend, as was Peter Moore. Okay, well, Al, thank you. So we'll talk with Al. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, Al, uh, this will be great. Let me think. That, oh, he says your Nike guest started work at Nike after the Jordan deal. Strasser was brilliant. He's going well, to be at the baseball game this Saturday, and he has a picture of him. So I'll, I'll uh, let you see all this, Mike, when the show is over. And Katie Troutman writes in to, stay, to say, Abbott Elementary, I guess that's a sitcom TV show, episode airing last night had a conversation between two Orioles fans that started with, quote, Adley Rutschman's <laughs> oppo home run. <laughs> Who knew that one of our favorite sons would be mentioned and arguably be the best current sitcom 
on network TV. Such fame. Go Adley, an immediate cultural icon. Katie. What is the name of that show she refers to? Abbott Elementary. I've seen. Have you pro- heard of it? I've seen the promos for it. Abbott Elementary and Adley's mentioned. Yeah. That is big time. I like it. Okay. And of course, you know, it's easy to find episodes on shows. Now, the Nike deal, and I want to get to the... We'll close. Do we need one more quick one? More one? shorter one. Okay. We'll get a short break. Dick was hired in December of 84. I don't think the deal had been done yet with Jordan by then because Michael was still playing at North Carolina. They were talking about him, who we're going to draft and who who's Houston going to take. And if Portland I think, wins... I think the draft occurred because they refer to and they make the shoe the Bulls colors. Okay. So therefore, Dick did be, Al, just, it's a minor deal, but Dick actually began work in December of 84. Unless liberties were so far out of whack. Well, I just don't think they would have had, they couldn't have had a shoe deal done in the pre-nil days with Michael before he was drafted. I guess not. I didn't, I thought, I thought that the shoe was created after he was three or four years in the league, so I was off on that. We'll close, don't let me forget, the index... And you talked about Dr. J. Shoe in 77. Mm-hmm. My, the thing I remember most about Donald Katz's book, Just Do It, I'll share with you next on 1240 Joe Radio. Kubota LX Series tractors are the number one rated tractor brand for durability and owner experience in the United States and are the answer to having quality, comfort, and versatility. Kubota LX Series tractors are four-wheel drive and come with easy-to-operate three-range hydrostatic transmission. See Lynn Benton Tractor and Tangent or go to KubotaUSA.com for more information. John is a landlord and has a tenant who missed a rent payment. Mary had an emergency which took up most of her paycheck and she couldn't afford her rent. John and Mary ended up in court. A month later, with another missed payment and thousands of dollars in legal fees, there was a resolution that left no one happy. Eviction doesn't need to be your first choice. Hi, this is Jared from Neighbor to Neighbor. We provide free mediation services for both landlords and tenants, which can save you time and money compared to litigation. Call 503-585-0651. That's 503-585-0651. And let Neighbor to Neighbor help you. Don't wait. Mediate. Leading off this inning for your tax and wealth management team is David Mendenhall. Batting second, Bill Heck. And batting third, Robert Berry. It's always important to have a talented lineup. The same is true if you need some advice on personal or business tax planning or just some help with financial strategy. With over 40 years in business, tax and wealth management has the experience you need to hit that home run. Call or stop by Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis, your hometown tax team, and start your journey on the road to success. Since 2016, Patrick Lumber Manufacturing has been serving the Northwest with steady and quality employment. Patrick Lumber Manufacturing in Philomath has summer and long-term job opportunities with competitive wages, benefits, and matching 401k. To be a candidate, call 541-929-4717. Again, that's 541-929-4717. And join a great family business at Patrick Lumber Manufacturing in Philomath. Okay, okay. So your story. Now. In Andy Katz's book, Just Do It, Phil's father wasn't so sure, according to that book by Katz, about this whole shoe caper thing that his son was into. <laughs> I mean, that's the feeling I got from the book. Now, whether Shoe Dog tells that tale or not, 
Yeah, dad, dad was a little bit dubious about it all. Yeah. You know, yeah. bats and balls, balls and bats. Eddie Albert, the heartbreak kid. I'm into sporting goods, sir. What? He <laughs> says, what? To Charles Grodin, what? What? Are you kidding? That's a money maker. Balls and bats, man. bats and balls. Sir, uh, yes, uh, but it was a big seller last year. Bats and balls, balls and bats. <laughs> Just diminishing and mocking. That's funny. But when Kermit... The unfortunate, infamous incident of punching Rudy Tomjanovich. Yeah. The whole book's been written on that, and Halberstam spends 20-some pages, it seems, on Kermit and on that in breaks of the game. The breaks of the game. Tomjanovich was an early athlete wearing Nikes, and Phil's dad came around when he saw it was too bad, but while Rudy was laying there, the camera focused on your shoe the whole time. Maybe you're on to something. See you tomorrow. K-E-J-O Corvallis. And translator. K-229-D-I Corvallis. The home of the Beavers. 1240 Joe Radio.